Hey, hey there, uh, online kings and IT pros. Welcome to another episode of the Rocket MSP podcast. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and today I am joined by Matt from Thread. Oh, yeah, he's, he's wearing threads. There you go. Got the swag. How are you today, Steve? You know, I'm doing awesome, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So let's dive in, man. So I had uh, I had Bobby on, um, I don't know, a couple months ago now, mm-hmm. and we had a really great conversation. I I love the product. Okay, I'll just I'll just come out and say it. You've got a really cool product. It's it's very like the UI UX. It's it's clean. Okay, um, I I can tell you guys had had a nice investment round. You <laughs> you were able to put that into the into the look and feel of the product. So kudos there. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think for us, um, we view design as a competitive differentiator in the space. I think a lot of um, what we've seen in the past, and I've been in the industry for a little over 10 years now, 11 years, so the interface sometimes get, gets lost um, when you're focused on on value. We, we're trying to do both. So one of our first hires was a, a head of design. We call, we call him our chief uh, magic officer. I love it. I love it. So, uh, when, when thinking about chat, uh, most of the time people think about that little bubble in the bottom right or bottom left of a website. And it's got the, it's got the little message icon on it, or maybe it says chat with us. And you know, it's, it's just some janky little thing that's usually managed or powered by HubSpot or intercom or one of the other dozens or hundreds of chat tools that are out there. Uh, but yours goes beyond that. In fact, yours, it, it has that feature. We can add the bubble to the website, but that was, I don't want to call it an afterthought. It just isn't its primary function. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's, that was the original insight that we had was that there, there was no kind of multi-tenant, um, multi-platform or, or, omni-channel product purpose built for for msps and so you know when we used to be chat genie in a former life um, we were really focused on that internal chat ops use case you know are you leaving for the day are you going on lunch uh and, and trying to kind of unify the context of the request and the conversation of the request in slack where the conversation is happening and the inflection point for us was was when we realized you know we really can't be effective um, in driving the outcomes that we need to without inviting the, the customer, without inviting the user into the conversation. And in so doing, we can optimize on both sides uh, and between. Good. Now, I also recently had chat style on the show. And I, I know you're not the kind of person that's going to sit here and badmouth them. I don't want you to. I like the guy. He's a nice guy. It's a great looking product. Um, their product, I think the big differentiator between your product and their product is you also have a web interface where we can manage all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the technician doesn't have to be working out of our internal Slack or Teams. We can be working right on your, the, the thread website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we do have um, uh, Mac OS and uh, Windows OS apps as well as the web app. Um, but 
we, we view ourselves as a service experience platform and that, that must include both sides of the equation, as I, I mentioned before. So not only are we meeting your customers and your users where they work, could be their desktop, could be their own website, uh, SMS, WhatsApp coming soon, <laughs> um, but Teams and Slack primarily, we also want to meet your team, uh, your being the MSP, where it is that they work and will be most effective um, in getting the job to be done, done, if that makes sense. It does. So when, uh, when I had you on last, I, I shared the interview with, uh, some, some people in my peer group mm -hmm. and I know one of them signed up for it right away. He was super excited and of course it just happened to be him, right? Um, he, he was one of the guys in that small subset. And, you know, I got to ask you about this, man. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was an issue in the last month or two where there was a, a small subset and I don't even know how small you said it was small. I don't know what small is for you. Is that a dozen? Is that three? Is that a hundred? Yeah, it was, but, it was, it was a half. It was, it was four or five folks. Um, thanks. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you finish, but yeah, definitely. Want to address it? So, you know, hearing hearing both sides of it. So I've I've heard it from from this MSP, uh, what their experience was like. I I read your response on a very public Reddit post uh, to that MSP, and I think I kind of understand both sides. You know what I mean? Like they're they're upset because what ended up happening was somehow thread overwrote like address line one for a group of this MSP's clients. Mm -hmm. Now, what I was unclear about was in, in that post, and man, you'd think I would have that post up and ready. You, you used the words, um, this was a partner initiated thing. Are you saying that the MSP did something and pushed out that that change, unfortunately? No, no, no. So um, what I meant by that is it was a manual trigger, triggered item. So it's not like any changes or any um, anything being overwritten was happening at scale. It was a manual click um, to activate a feature. And that would have had to be, d be done on a per site basis. Um, so it's not like uh, one flag got turned on and then everybody was overwritten. It was on a per site basis. And thankfully, you know, it was identified pretty quickly. Um, and that's why the, the exposure was, was quite small. Gotcha. So somebody in your team, you know, hit a button, checked a box. No, 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 no. It was, uh, it was the MSP. Right. So it was, a it was a more of a QA issue than anything else. Right. Um, gotcha. feature was, should have been tested, uh, more diligently. And we've, ad we've adjusted our SOP and, and QA, um, kind of peer coding. Uh, testing procedures accordingly to make sure that you know we're not only testing uh, automated features and functionality that we're also testing uh, features that are initiated by a checkbox and or a manual action. Um, that's that's all I meant is that it it's something that would have only happened to a subset because it was literally a, a, a click flag turn on on a per site basis. Gotcha. So that that makes sense. So the the good news is. It, it only happened to the clients that he clicked on. 
And those are clients that he's already got an agreement with. So theoretically, he should be able to pop into his QuickBooks, do a little copy paste. It sucks, but you know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, for us, no, we we do take we do take any you know, matter of that nature very seriously because it is very serious. Um, and the implications, <laughs> you know, if if something were to be overlooked on a grander scale, are big, right? Having been in the seat, um, my co-founder and I, we, we were both at an MSP called RFA, based out of New York for for ten years each. Him more on the data and development services side, uh, me more operationally, all the way up through uh, chief of staff. One of the teams that I ran was the PSA administration team. And so we know exactly how, how impactful um, something like that could be. Uh, thankfully, it was, it was contained and we were able to identify it quickly and, and uh, worked to remediate with said partner uh, and partner subset. But, um, but yeah, 1 million percent, um, take, it, take it seriously. Okay. Um, great. So let's talk about what your, what your changes were to your, to your whole, you know, coding and, and pushing out changes and testing things. What, what does that look like now? Yeah, certainly. So, uh, we have a, we have a very robust team, um, nowadays, certainly post-investment, uh, and, and we have folks kind of, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but they're separated into two distinct teams who, uh, before anything's released, they kind of cross-test um, uh, releases before they go out. So we're doing automated testing, we're doing manual testing, and uh, we also um, looked at our backup policy um, and uh, lengthened that window as well. Perfect. And what would you say? What would you say you learned? <laughs> but from from this yeah yeah i think um i think the backup piece was was really important and i think you know, just diligence in and standing up the framework diligence and testing and, and documenting proof of of said uh said testing um and then also you know making sure that we we have the ability to and we do um communicate both via email and also um directly in in messaging platform of choice should there be an issue cool all right let's move on to lighter topics um let's talk about religion no i'm kidding uh <laughs> what's your political view no um so <laughs> what was that but how about sports well, just going down yeah. The list. Yeah. yeah how about them browns um <laughs> All right, so so let's talk about your your product. Uh, you you um you've you've made changes to it. Um, hopefully, you've added some new features. Yeah, in the last couple months. Why don't you tell us what's going on? Absolutely. So I don't know if you've seen all the all the cool work we've done around um, Azure OpenAI Service and uh, our Service Copilot product. I'm sure. Bobby spoke to it when he was on. Uh, we've now released two additional use cases or features beyond um, just the time entry automation, which we've been super excited about for some time. 
Do you want to do you want to demo anything? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Great. Down on the bottom, there's a present button. All right. Sharing the screen. We're so tiny in the corner now. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Awesome. Can you see everything okay? I can. Beautiful. So <clears throat> um, I think the the saying or conventional wisdom now is that uh, every company is an AI company. Um, mm. Sorry? Oh, I was just agreeing, yeah. Yeah, because it's no secret, right? You can you can build an integration to Azure OpenAI or or even just OpenAI by itself. Um, for us, it's it's what you do with that integration and and it's what you do with your secret sauce as a company, right? And for us, it's having the conversational interface on both sides and the conversational data set. And what I mean by that is today uh, we're helping the MSP and the MSP's team prioritize and automate time entries um, more efficiently. Uh, and very, very soon we'll be releasing categorization as well. So how's that going to work? Yeah, absolutely. So very much like what you're seeing here with prioritization, right? We're using natural language prompts to um, define exactly what is a P1, a P2, a P3 based on how your team prioritizes requests. Um, there are defaults uh, that come to the platform um, mapped to your uh, specific priorities, but mm -hmm. um, really the, the secret sauce is working with your team to adapt uh, those templates to, uh, to get down to a, a 90 plus percentage accuracy rate. Um, so for example, <laughs> uh, if for instance, you have a VIP customer who really loves pizza, um, and their, their pizza being cold is a, a P1, um, you could go ahead and say, Dang. So not only would we uh, make the recommendation, we'd also prioritize it accordingly, which would then kick off workflows to uh, escalate it within the PSA and contact, uh, say, the, the tech on call. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, so pretty excited about that. And then on the categorization side, same idea, right? Your... Um, your service catalog and the PSA uh, will ingest and then we'll help you translate it into prompts so you're up and running to value very quickly with the AI. So how long until you are automating responses to the end user and just fixing the problem? So I think responses to the end user is a lot, is a lot closer than fixing the end problem. Uh, <laughs> for us, uh, you know, until until large language models and um, and our ability to kind of put rails around them, that uh, the bot isn't responding with anything like hallucinating um, or uh, you know really isn't responding with anything helpful to the end user. We want to make sure that we are optimizing and delivering a great experience uh, and a valuable experience on the tech side um, before we we extend to the end user. You know, I've I've heard that term before from another vendor. Is hallucinating a like 
what they call it when the bot starts losing its mind and going rogue? Yeah, exactly. So when it's prompted uh, for something and then it, it, it makes stuff up, that's called a, a, a hallucination. Gotcha. But my understanding is it's always a hallucination because the bot is, is just, uh, how, I, I got to find the right words in the right order, like a bot. Um, <laughs> the, the bot is, is saying these words in this particular order is the most likely response I should give based on everything that I've read on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, go ahead, sorry. So, so I'm, I'm sorry. So, and, and I, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say is, doesn't that go back to just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It was a quote by Abraham Lincoln, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was, uh, I'll attack you with the North. I think, right? But <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, that that's where the the beauty of um, all the great work that our um, AI PhD engineer and and the team behind him are doing from a prompt engineering standpoint is that we're able to ensure that the uh, the responses, the outcomes from bo- the bot are are useful in you know, controlling exactly how it's prompted, when it's prompted, and the kind of temperature and control settings um, that are used in doing so. Got it. So you've you've basically figured out how to tame the beast, if you will, so that it's not so creative and gives information that's more likely to be accurate. Exactly, yep. And and it okay. it reduces the the range of um, responses or types of responses that can be given to the tech, or that can be written uh, back to PSA from a priority or categorization standpoint. Uh, it it's all it's all value based. It's all predictable. Yeah, and so you're using, or you're using Azure OpenAI, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. So I just want to give people a um because i don't know that everybody's done this okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna share my screen real quick i feel like i need to make up some hold music (laughs) okay so this is what the open ai playground looks like so i'm not saying this is what your settings are but this will give people an idea of of what types of controls there are on artificial intelligence or uh large language is it large language models llm that's right so you you can pick which uh Uh, model you want to use by the way we can't see your your screen share or at least i can't that's because i'm dumb there we go Uh aha Uh So you can pick which model you want to use and they show three to, you know, because these are the three most popular, but they've got a bazillion. Well, maybe they don't have a bazillion. It seemed like they had more at one point. Um, I have access to GPT-4 because 
you know, I requested it and they gave it to me. Uh, they've got different modes and I guess two of them are legacy modes now. Um, you mentioned temperature earlier that controls the randomness mm -hmm. and then there's the maximum length. So I think this is basically saying, here's how much we're going to output, which affects how much we're going to charge you. Is it, that correct? Exactly. Right. So, uh, and there are, there are kind of levers under underneath it, each decision point, uh, which drive like the number of inference tokens, the number of completion tokens. Uh, and ultimately, the tokens are what are what drive the cost. And then they've got a few things that, I'll be honest, don't make sense to me. They got one called Top B, and that just you know makes the child in me giggle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thankfully, I'm not the uh, the technical guy, so I don't have all the secret sauce. Um, but we'll get Mark, uh, our our CEO, on the next time, and he'll. Sure. We'll be able to talk exactly to what top P is. But I think for us, the real differentiator between using OpenAI directly and Azure OpenAI service is that we have a, you know, of course, a great partnership with Microsoft, but B, mm -hmm. there's all of the compliance and security and kind of yes. Yes. that happens in the background um, before the response even, the output even gets to us to present. So my, my point in showing this really was to say, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into before you even get to the prompt, there's a lot of, of settings that you can change that will affect what your response is. You know, there's got frequency penalty, how much to penalize new tokens based on their existing frequency in the text so far, presence penalty, um, and then, like I said, the top P, which controls diversity via nucleus sampling. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> All good, man. All good. So, so with that said, um, you guys are doing cool things now with your platform. Uh, are you guys, are you guys using, I guess, prompts for the lack of better term in the back end when you're, you're feeding things into the, into open AI or mm -hmm. Azure open AI. Yeah. Um, are, are you able to share like, what, what does an example prompt look like? Yeah, um, I think the best way to to see that would be uh, if I I can share you or I can share a link with you to um, the customer story that uh, that Microsoft um, featured uh, featured us in, and in that story is a is a video. Um, I don't know if I can share it with you here. There we go. It is a video that shows um, exactly that how we how we kind of manage the the prompts and the iteration of the prompts behind the scenes um, and then deliver the the output uh, to the to the to the tech perfect and i'm i'm just opening that up thread creates game changing solution for it service providers with azure open ai service and you're right there is a little video there so what i'll do is i will include uh, the link to that article in the show notes, because I want people to be able to check that out. I think, 
I'm, I'm really, I really like what you guys are doing. Um, I, I want to, you know, give you the benefit of the doubt unlike maybe that other guy who, who has a, you know, a sour taste in his mouth. I, I think mistakes happen and, um, you know, as long as they don't keep happening. <laughs> and, and, and they will. And I, like I said before, you know, I, I have a compliance background as does, as does our CEO and, and my co-founder. And we, we take it all, uh, quite seriously. And, and, you know, really what we're here to do is we're, we're here to empower people to do their best work, um, both within the MSP and within the MSP's customers, all of their users and, you know, and the only way to do so is to make sure that we're fundamentally secure, uh, fundamentally doing doing our best from a data sovereignty and data control standpoint. And uh, we very much will and intend to do so. And one of the other things that I believe it's part of your co-pilot service is it will create um, ticket time entries for us. So it's it's not gonna it's not gonna log the time entry in the PSA, but it'll or will it? Uh, it will. So the logging in the PSA requires requires a manual action today. But essentially, what it does is it it takes it takes a look at all of the transcript, the back and forth, whether it be via email or chat, some combination of the two, in the session between the end user and the tech, and then it it drafts a time entry for the tech who initiates the time entry action. So if you have multiple resources helping out on the same request, it'll draft from that user or from that text point of view exactly what they did within the context of that session. So with my MSP, you know, whenever I uh, I called a client earlier and they didn't answer, so I left a voicemail, and that's a time entry. Um, and then they called back and they left a voicemail. And now I'm calling back and that's another time entry. And this time I got to speak with them, right? So how does that work? Same ticket, multiple, uh, multiple lines of communication happening. Is it, is it going to get confused or does it know that like, Hey, I made a time entry here. So the next time I make a time entry, it should only do from here down. Yep, exactly. So I, I think taking a step back. The beauty of being where the, the end user is, right, in their tenant, in their uh, Slack workspace, uh, in their intranet, wherever you might be, the number of calls back and forth should should hopefully decrease. But um, you know, uh, from a from an ordered in time and an integrated standpoint, absolutely, it, it won't go back past the the last entry. It'll start exactly where the last entry stopped. Wonderful. That would make things really, really nice for the, the technicians, especially the ones who are great technicians, but for whatever reason are terrible with grammar and spelling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. I remember our CEO threatened to send everybody to some kind of grammar and spelling class or, or buy everyone a dictionary. I don't know. He, he gets yeah. a grammar he, license. He, he he's um and I don't blame him. I mean, you know, when when a company has hundreds of time entries in a single day, and you know, it's I don't know how many people we have that are going through and like approving and posting the time entries, but that's a lot to go through, mm -hmm. you know. And I I don't blame him 
for wanting to because every single time there's something screwed up he kicks it back and we have to we have to correct it yeah yeah absolutely and i think you know not only do the the frontline engineers love the feature to your point uh service delivery managers service delivery directors love it even more so because they spend way less time doing time entry review the amount of time the techs are spending for requests and the number of texts on requests uh goes down over time and uh, yeah, certainly a, a much higher fidelity uh, and level of time entry because it spells everything correctly. And, uh, you know, it's really optimizing for just a clear itemization of, of what happened. Very cool. So is there anything else that you think we need to know about Thread today? Uh, uh, keep, keep, keep your eyes peeled for, for what we've got through, through the rest of the year. It's a little... A little too early for me to speak to it, but I think we're really excited about um, certainly what we'll be launching at Datacon, but uh, IT Nation, end of the year, um, keep, uh, or, or stay tuned. <laughs> Man, I can't wait. Well, sir, uh, thank you so much for hopping on here and doing this with me. Um, I do not have any live questions from the uh, the audience, so... There's no point in sitting here and milking it. We're going to wrap up. All right. Thank you so much, Steve, for your time. And uh, have a good one. My pleasure. You too, man. Thank you. Take care.